0: You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission, Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mission Lab. This is episode 95, entitled Teach Us to Pray. I hope you are doing well. It feels like it's been a few weeks since I was with you guys, or at least since I've recorded an episode. And um, so I'm happy to be back. I'm actually recording this on Election Day, November 3, here in the United States of America. I, of course, do not know the results yet, but I am trusting That the world has not blown up by the time that you, dear friend, are listening to this. We just got snow here today in Bangor, Maine, November 3, kind of early. Uh, Sometimes we get it this early, but it's not always that common. But I want to share with you maybe something very relevant since today's election day. Um, And that is I want to talk about my personal devotional life. Um, so I, I want to, I want to, um, share a few caveats. First of all, I was talking with somebody recently and they said, Hey, just, just tell me what your like personal meditation, worship devotional time is like. And, um, I, I think I probably alluded to it before on the episode, but I have not, um, expounded upon it significantly. And uh, so I want to share a few caveats. Number one, before I get into this, number one, uh, this is simply what I do. And um, I'm not prescribing it for anybody. I am not telling you that you need to do it this way. I'm not even telling you that if you don't do it, you are a bad Christian or you're a bad follower of Jesus. Um, number two, I think most of my life I have revolted against what I perceive to be a kind of what I would call salvation by devotions type of messaging. Oh uh, man, growing up, I would hear over and over and over and over again, people doing worship talks or sermons about, about the importance of reading your Bible and praying, and it was almost um, made a work in itself, like a, like, yeah, like a salvation by devotions. And I used to just push back against that with such zeal and angst and animosity. And I do think there is, even to this day, a significant danger with kind of having I'm going to use maybe a big theological term here, a semi-Pelagian view of the devotional life, meaning as though we can just kind of work up the energy and the grit and the stick-to-itiveness ourself to, um, to make it work and as though we're the ones initiating it. And I, and I just want to be clear 100% that, a quote-unquote successful devotional life is a work of the Spirit, and um, it, it's it's the Spirit that initiates it. It's God who is inviting us into fellowship with Him. It is nothing that we initiate. We cooperate. We respond to the Spirit. We, we answer the invitation to be in God's presence, but it is not of our initiative. So I, I do, I, I still zealously push back against the salvation by devotions mentality. So I don't want people to mistake this, um, this, this episode for something like that. Like I remember when I was in high school, I was going through a really, really, really hard time. And, um, I spoke to a friend of mine and she said, well, are you reading your Bible? And I thought, oh, of course, that's what the problem is. And so I started, you know, prioritizing Bible reading every morning. And uh, it didn't really do much for me. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that. And maybe that's a, a crazy admission to make. But um, so if we just get in this mentality that it's like us who are chasing after God, us who are pursuing God, us who are initiating it all. That's the wrong way to look at it. It's God who chases after us. It's God who pursues us. He is inviting us. One of my favorite articles I remember growing up in college, uh, a a friend, an author, uh, an author friend of mine uh, liked to present it as having breakfast with Jesus. Uh, He invites us to the table with him, and that presents a whole different uh, perspective but the third caveat i would just share is that i do not see how you and i can flourish in our um in our our christ following life without having a significant connection to christ and i would i would i would put it like in almost mystical terms, that that being in the presence of Jesus and responding and and hearing from Him and us speaking to to Him, uh, both in Scripture and in prayer, I think is just a critically important part of discipleship. And um, we're not going to grow in love if we are not receiving. God's love in very concrete ways of, of spending time in scripture, spending time in prayer. Um, some might also add, you know, uh, singing. I know Camille's big on that. Um, so these things I think are critically important for our our development, our growth, our, our maturation. I would say even aside from the Christian implications all of us need that time of quietness, solitude, meditation, uh, just, you know, we're going 100 miles an hour all the time, and when, when we're not, we're watching Netflix, and we're on our phone, so being able to slow down and and experience solitude, meditation, being able to just spend a lot of time, like, vegging out, um, and not having these other demands um, that are always chasing after us, I think is critically important. But I would say, of course, from the perspective of, of perspective of a Jesus follower, it is all the more important that you and I are beholding the love of Jesus. And we do that through scripture. We do that through prayer. We do that through um, yeah, responding and spending time in Christian fellowship of as well, of course. Um, so that with all with all those caveats out of the way, I just want to share with you, and, and maybe the last one is, is that this is not a guilt trip. Um, I don't know, maybe that was my first one. I'm trying to think back to what I said already. Uh, but this is not a guilt trip. I used to, and I'll explain this a little bit going forward. But I used to experience a lot of guilt and shame over my my very what I perceive to be pitiful, quote unquote, devotional life. And again, I think a lot of that is the way God is presented to us. Like we have this picture of God where he is, um, you know, he's more upset with us than any other emotion we think of him as having. And that's not what it's all about. So, um, it's not a guilt trip. This is an invitation for you to respond to the grace of God in, Uh, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time um, praising him and singing and being a part of the body that is doing these things together as well. So let me just sort of explain to you the history of my own life of personal worship. So I would say for most of my life, I... Had a very, very poor personal worship life, and and I'm I'm almost hesitant to use the term devotional life because I don't know. I just there's so much baggage actually in my mind because I've heard that so many times. Um, So my life in Scripture and in prayer, especially, was very weak. And it was a point of great guilt and shame. And this carried over into um when I was a pastor. I, I would say probably for the first oh five, seven years as a pastor, um I had a what I would call a terrible prayer life, and it was so inconsistent, I would have good times of prayer, uh, but most of the time it was like I I, I was always so um, driven by getting other things accomplished when I woke up in the morning that um, I would just kind of, oh, don't have enough time, other more important things happening, and it wasn't like I was even consciously doing that. I was just like so drawn to get all these other things done because I'd I, I become obsessed with them, whether it was writing a book or... You know, preparing sermons or whatever—like I would be so um, energetic for those things that I would just like, no, no, I can't stop to f- to, s- to focus on these other things because that would take up too much time. And then, quite honestly, I just never felt like I had a strong connection. I never felt like I knew how to pray. Whenever I would try it, like I maybe you, you're familiar with this, I would um, I would literally like not time my prayers, but I would be on my knees and like every two minutes, like look up the clock. Okay, good. I've, I've gone three minutes now or, Oh, Oh good. You know, I've gone 12 minutes or I've run out of things to say. And man, I only went seven minutes today. That's pretty bad. And, um, I just, yeah, I felt like so much guilt and shame over my weak, pathetic prayer life. I, I always, um, for the most part, did a little better scripturally. I've always been, um, curious about scriptural, you know, themes and ideas. So that had always been a little stronger, but even there again, um, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't, it wasn't really flourishing. And, um, so it was, yeah, just this constant cycle of guilt and shame and, you know, not good enough um, with my devotional life. And then I honestly pinpoint the turning point of my devotional life was probably six or seven years ago, my prayer life, especially. There's this unbelievable transition that happened where I went from my scripture prayer meditation time as being a chore to it being a, an absolute necessity. And, um, the way I've, I've described it is prayer and scripture study went, became as important to the life of my soul as oxygen is for the life of my body like it just i needed it so much it was so critical to my survival and well-being and it's it's interesting i think my um part of the transition also saw the the foundation of my devotional life going from reading scripture and then having my prayers be informed by scripture to the opposite where Prayer became my foundation and reading scripture then became an act of prayer. So scripture previously used to be more of a academic exercise for me. And, you know, I'd come up with, oh, interesting and fascinating theological insights that sometimes kind of penetrated my heart. But now it went from that to it being an act of prayer as well where I'm reading scripture primarily, first and foremost, to be transformed. So what happened is I, and I think I've explained this before, I um, went, what I was preparing to do is to apply to some PhD programs in uh, Old Testament studies. And I was applying to all of these top level programs that were long shots and sure enough, I did not get in. The very last rejection letter I received, it was from Harvard University of all places. And I I found, I I received that rejection letter and it was so um, discouraging that I just crashed to my knees. I remember to this day up in my bedroom, I crashed to my knees and I just could not, understand what God was doing. I could not understand where things were going. I didn't know what he wanted of me and what his plans were. And I just felt so incredibly helpless. And I said, "God, man, I I don't I don't know how I can survive without casting my helpless self on you." And from that point on, it like I said, it became Prayer and that time with Christ mediated by the spirit became such an absolute necessity for me that I could not start my day with any significant um, inspiration or passion without having that important extended time in scripture and in prayer. And um yeah from that point on and what also happened interestingly was I transitioned in my thinking from if I miss a day or never mind miss many days um when I would return to it it was like overwhelming overwhelming feelings of guilt and shame like almost like I show up again and God's like oh it's you again where have you been that's what that's what I used to be like. Whereas now, if I miss a day, which happens, um, I don't have those feelings of guilt anymore because, you know, I know God's understanding. And I'm I, I just experience like disappointment and I experience to some degree a lack of of um cohesiveness in my own heart and life. And so I know that that time is is as much about well not as much it's way more about um transformation than it is like getting brownie points with god like okay yep you had it you know four out of five days this week or five out of seven days good you know that's an a plus or whatever like god's not up there grading us on our the quality of our devotional life um he wants to transform us he wants us to be made into his image so now now um i went from very sporadically having devotional time to probably most weeks six out of seven days where i'm having at least an hour or two if i if i don't get at least an hour i feel like it's almost not worth my time. Although I am growing in that as well. Um, because I, yeah, literally literally to think, well, if I don't have two hours, it doesn't feel effective. And now I'm learning to, um, yeah, just, just to grow in my awareness of God's presence when I'm with him, even for a little amount of time. So, but, but I will say this, like, I put it this way sometimes like I feel like it takes me like two hours a day to get converted and um I'm not again I'm not prescribing this for anybody else this is just me this is just me if you're not doing that don't feel any shame or guilt uh so but just just with me like I need that amount of time to really get into the rhythm of the spirit and um so, you know, some people will say to me, well, what do I, what do I do? My prayer life isn't that strong. It's not that healthy. What do I do? How do I make my prayer life better? And I honestly feel like you will never have a, a, a flourishing prayer life until and unless you come to a deep sense of your helplessness. That's, that's what prayer is to me. It's, it's the cry of the helpless. One Norwegian theologian said that um, that uh, only those who are helpless can truly pray. So, so I literally will say, well, I'm not, I, I can't tell you how to pray, but I'll pray that you feel helpless. And then when you're helpless, you'll know how to pray. Um, it, that, that's what it is. It's like a deep sense of helplessness as, as a helpless soul is reaching out. To God asking for his spirit and asking for his transformation. So, um, so yeah, so that's me. I, um, that's, that's just the way, you know, I need to have it arranged. And, um, I think of, of what Ellen White has said, uh, someplace she said, basically don't come out of your prayer closet until you feel like you've been, you know, strengthened by God to face your day. And so I, I, I need to have that, that, Time of long prayer in Scripture. So, this is what I do. This is what I do. Again, this is not prescriptive. This is simply one hundred percent descriptive. Okay. One of the keys, as well, that I've found to the my my increased power in prayer is I actually have a prayer journal. Okay, a prayer journal. Now I'm a writer, so I'm, I'm sure that, you know, that, that I'm partial to this approach because I'm a writer and some of you are not writers and that's okay. But I, I, would, I would invite you to give it a shot, okay? So I actually have journals that I write in with a pen. Sometimes, uh, occasionally, I don't do it as much as I used to, but I used to do it on the computer as well. Um, that also can be uh, one way of doing it. But I like to do it with a pen and, and, and a notebook. And uh, just me, I don't have any fancy notebook. It's like one of those spiral binder things that you can buy at Walmart for 88 cents. And so I just, what I do now, this is the, this is the rhythm I've gotten into, is at the very beginning of my time. Now, let me also, let me also say this. I, as far as possible, do it in the same place every day. Now, that's not again; it's not required, um, but it it just a couple things. It does is that it it does um, help remove some of the distractions because when you go to a new environment, if it's different every day, then you get distracted by new things that you you know you you hadn't seen before. So, if you're there uh, at the same place every day, there's less to distract you. Number two. There is something special about having that special place. It it it, it can um, elicit feelings of nostalgia and fondness and you know it just it just makes it more special. So uh that's what I do. Now I have my time every day on my bed in my house in the morning. It's not the very first thing I do in the morning because that's a whole other story, but it's You know, I try to do it as soon as I can, Um, but I do it in the morning, on my bed, in my room, doors closed, windows open. I can look out and see, depending on the time of year, the birds. There's a couple of trees right outside. Um, So I'm there. I take out my prayer journal, and what I do is I just start writing out for each day. I start by listing the things I am thankful for. And I will write literally just a list, and it won't be just like one or two words. It will be like full sentences, and I am directing it actually towards God. So I am thanking God for the things that he has blessed me with. And, um, you know, however long that takes, it just depends on the day. It depends how much I'm thankful for. Uh, but, you know, it often will revolve around, you know, good things that happen usually the day before. So like, you know, I had a great visit with, you know, this person or I, you know, I'm glad that I got to play this with my kids or, you know, thank you, God, for, uh, you know, whatever it is that day. So that, you know, there's no set time for that. It's just however long it takes me to feel like I have adequately expressed my gratitude. So that is, that is the consistently the only, um, the only, Uh, item I have in a particular order. From there, it sort of just depends on, I don't know, how I'm feeling. I will then do one of usually three things at that point. I will then usually open up the scriptures and I will prayerfully go through uh whatever it is that is my reading for um that day and by reading for that day I mean I'm going through a book of the bible and I am just going chapter by chapter section by section and what I've what I've done this year is I'm doing it in the message uh version of of scripture and I I think most times I want to you know going forward just kind of use different versions, different translations. The message very particularly um, makes it very relatable. It makes it, you know, I have to admit sometimes when I read like the King James or the New King James, sometimes, especially when I'm reading the gospels, they seem almost so incredibly familiar to me that I, um, like it almost feels like prescripted, if that makes any sense, like as though it's just lines that I'm so familiar with that I just know what's going to come next. I know the lines I know. And so reading it in the message or some other unfamiliar translation just kind of makes it fresh for me. So right now I am reading the gospel of John. And so I'm just, again, literally going through sections at a time, you know, however long it is, whether it's, um, you know, 20 verses or whatever is that little section or quote-unquote pericope is. And I, as I'm reading, I'm not trying to necessarily dissect, you know, all of it exegetically or what does the Greek say here? Or what is the Hebrew if it's the Old Testament? I'm just literally going through it just to understand on a heart level the reality of the love of Jesus. So, I'm just wanting I'm just wanting the spirit to speak through me through the word. Sometimes that will have significant theological content. Other times it will be just things that are speaking very specifically to my heart. And so, again, I'll just go over that that passage. I don't know how long that will take me depending on the day. Sometimes there's really good content that just really connects with me. Other days it's like, well, not a whole lot was really, uh, uh, was not really attention grabbing to me and that's fine. Like I don't have to force it. I don't have to try to look for something that's not there. I am just allowing the spirit to speak through me, uh, through, through the scriptures. So again, that may be, uh, it may be 10 minutes. It may be 30 minutes. Sometimes there are, there's stuff I find that's just like so incredibly transformative that, you know, I'm there for a while. So, um, so then usually from there, I will probably go to my old prayer journals. So this is such a cr- incredibly significant part of my devotional life. Um, I have all these prayer journals that even though I wasn't really strong um, on my prayer life in the years past, I did start writing a prayer journal in 2003. Actually, when Camille and I, the very first week we started dating, actually the week before we started dating, I started a prayer journal. And so I will just go in chronological order. I will, and I'll go through them. And I think it's probably a couple times I've gone through them now. I just started doing this probably a year, a year and a half ago. But this has been so incredibly important and transformative for my, my devotional life. So I'll just go through my prayer journal. And I should hasten to add that even though I start with Thanksgivings, a lot of times it starts getting into concerns, requests, stresses, anxieties. If I don't get to it at that point, I often will get to it later on. I'll return to writing out these things. But, um, so, so I just start reading through my prayer journal and I might read one entry. Usually it's a lot more than that, but I might read five entries, 10 entries. They're dated, you know, and I, 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 This is the only way, and I, and I know this may sound strange um, and maybe troubling to some people, almost sacrilegious, but I, I honestly feel like when I read my old prayer journal, it feels to me like I am reading scripture. Again, I know that might sound strange, that might sound troubling or sacrilegious, but in some ways I feel like it is scripture God's scripture to me personally. Because what I'm doing is I am, I am remembering. I'm, or I'm not remembering. I'm I'm my prayer journal is allowing me to remember the ways that God has led me in the past, the ways that God has answered prayers in the past, reminding me of all the ways He's led. And oftentimes it will buoy my spirits, and I'll be like in a funk, and I'll be like, you know forgetting that God has blessed me and I'll I'll look back and I'll see all the ways he has blessed me and I'm like oh okay okay everything's gonna be okay I was stressing out about this and it was really silly of me, silly of me to stress out because I know like two months later this happened which just I mean this happens over and over and over and over again it just reminds me to not be so uptight and anxious. What I've, I just articulated this a few weeks ago, but reading that prayer journal, it made, it made me realize that just about everything in life, nothing in life is as big a deal as I think it is in the moment. So anyway, when I, when I read that, it's um, just really, um, really inspiring to me. And so I would highly, if, if you take nothing else, uh, just take this away from it. D- try try doing a prayer journal Try writing it out Dating it Listing the things You're thankful for Listing the things That are stressing you out um, Having a conversation With God Literally like Write a letter As though you're writing To a friend Like God is your friend Just dear God How are you? This is what's happened to me It'll be such An incredible blessing to you When you go back And revisit those later Which is really interesting Because a lot of times When I read things I've written in the past I kind of get embarrassed By them and whether it's books or articles, and I'm like, oh, man, how silly was I back then? For some reason, when I read this prayer journal, it's the exact opposite. I It kind of reminds me because I kind of get down on myself thinking that I have all sorts of um, impure motives and like I'm always selfish. I don't know. This prayer journal just reminds me that um, it's to to be gracious with myself, to realize that um, like I'm not saying I'm perfect, but it does remind me that it, I feel like I've at least been genuine and sincere in my desire to follow Jesus. So it's been a really, really helpful reminder. So anyway, that's what I do. I'll read my prayer journal and um, I'll be inspired. And oftentimes that will just, sometimes as well, and this happened just this week, actually just yesterday, I'll come across a Bible verse that I had quoted back in 2007, for example, and that Bible verse is like just, the verse that I need for today. So it's just kind of cool how God, uh, kind of uses our own testimony to, to remind us of his provision. So that is so incredibly important for me. So then I do that. So then next, uh, what I will often do is I, uh, will, I, I usually am reading one book by Ellen White at any given moment. So, I'm just, you know, so incredibly blessed by her ministry and her writings. And so it's almost always that at any given moment I'm reading, I'm reading one of her books in my worship time. And, um, I don't always get to, to, to her books, but cause sometimes whatever comes before takes up actually like a lot of time. Uh, but I often will read her uh, her book. Right now, I'm actually reading The Great Controversy, and um, that has been a blessing. It's you know, there's parts of it that are challenging, uh, but it is it is good. So I'll do that, and then um, I must hasten to add this: a lot of times, all right, this is I'm just going to be open and honest with you here. A lot of times, I start to get a little tired. And I'm sitting on the bed and in the winter, the heater is on, a little space heater. And I do not have any guilt about saying that I will take a little nap. That's right. Hopefully Camille doesn't hear this, but I will take a nap sometimes. Um, and, and you know what? That's an act of worship. That's an act of worship, resting in Jesus. Uh, so that's not always, but sometimes I do. 10, 15, 20-minute nap. Um so that's, yeah, that's all part of it. So then after actually something I've started recently doing is I have,, um, I've actually recommitted myself to the posture of kneeling in prayer. And so just recently, I've started at the end when I'm now focused on more of intercession and petitioning and asking of God, I will get on my knees beside my bed and I will also speak out loud verbally my prayers of intercession. And, um, that's where I'm interceding for specific people that I'm praying for. I will intercede for, you know, other needs that are, um, are relevant and so yeah i'll just literally be on my knees um i've been i've been claiming the promise recently again i just found this in great controversy page 525 ellen white says it is a part of god's plan to grant us in answer to the prayer of faith that which he would not bestow did we not thus ask so i'm claiming that promise i'm asking god for some very specific things And I trust that he will answer them uh, according to his will. There are some things that I ask for that God knows would not be for my benefit. And so he just says, I have something better for you. There are other things that I will pray for that he does know would be to my benefit. And he then grants them simply because I've asked. And um, there's a whole lot of things that he doesn't grant me because I don't ask for them. So I've I've been, yeah, I've been inspired to be very specific about the things that I'm asking of God. Again, he's not going to give me everything that I asked for, but he is going to give me some things that he wouldn't otherwise give me if I didn't ask for them. So, um, so yeah, I've been on my knees, been, been actually audibly praying out loud, speaking them. It's a little easier now because nobody's in the house anymore. So they can't hear me. Uh, and then, yeah, that usually kind of wraps up where my, my time of worship now. um, A lot of times, again, I will go back to my prayer journal and 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 record my petitions. And um, yeah, so that, you know, these days that takes me anywhere from an hour to two hours. Um, Usually on Mondays, I have probably it's a little longer because I haven't had it on Sunday. And so I um, yeah, I'll I'll take a little longer time. And then the rest of the week, uh, sometimes, yeah, it's not as long. And um, I'll tell you, though, one of, uh, just admittedly, a couple things that, although I don't feel feel guilt, uh, a couple things that kind of get in my way. Number one, I do still get tempted and distracted by my phone, which is, um, yeah, can really... uh, kind of, I start seeing that I have text messages, so I'll respond to the text messages, or I'll say, oh, this is such a great Bible verse, and I'll go on Instagram and post a, a you know, a Bible verse, and then I'll get distracted by all the pictures I see there. The other thing is, and this is a, a great point of um, frustration on my part, is when I go on vacation, I do not... Um, I do not maintain a, an active worship life. And I and I keep saying to myself, you need to do that because honestly, when I'm on vacation, I oftentimes feel very um like I'm very dry emotionally, if that makes sense. And um I feel like I don't really have a lot of a lot to give people. And I feel very Unsatisfied most of the time. And I think that's partly because I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into the spirit. I'm not getting into the word. I'm not getting, I'm not, you know, centering myself on Jesus. So I keep doing it. I keep doing it though. And I keep saying, I got to stop. I got to, I got to slow down. I got to take 30 minutes here at, you know, at the beginning of the day. But I have this FOMO. I have this huge FOMO fear of missing out that I'm like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. Um, but I need to. So that's that's another area. Again, I'm not doing it because like I think God is upset with me that hey, you you didn't talk to me for like a week when you were on Christmas vacation. No, it's like I know it's ultimately for my good spiritually, emotionally, relationally and uh yeah. So anyway, that's the long and short of 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 what my worship prayer scripture time looks like. Again, it's just me. You have to learn how to fight in your own armor. For some people, writing down stuff may not work. For others, you know, maybe you want to prayer walk in the neighborhood. Others, maybe you say, you know, I can't read scripture unless it's in the Greek or Hebrew, whatever it is. Uh, just, just fine. There's not one white, right, not one right way to do it. Um, I, I would say the the key ingredients would be prayer and scripture. Um, but yeah. I, I would also submit, of course, that ultimately we want to not neglect the corporate time of prayer and scripture. They're so critical. Scripture must be pursued in community. Um prayer must be pursued in community. These things need to go together, you know, to have one and not the other is not healthy, whatever way it goes. Uh, so yeah, that's what I want to say. Again, this is not a salvation by devotional kind of rah, rah speech. This is just, this is what works for me. It's been transformative. Um, I have never in the last four or five years, I've, I've never, you know, last four or five years have been the most healthy spiritually for me of any time in my life. I, 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 I sense that my connection to Christ in his word in prayer has never been healthier. And, um, it's just, like I said, I can't survive without it. I honestly cannot survive without it. And so it's so incredibly important to me. And, um, So that's my invitation to you. Give it a shot, however it looks. Don't have to put a time limit on it. Don't have to put a time expectation. Don't have to do it exactly as anyone else does it. Just find what works for you and how you can uh, walk in the rhythm of the Spirit and grow in likeness to Jesus. So if you have any questions, send me an email, seanbrace at gmail.com. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hopefully this was helpful for you, and have a wonderful day day. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ergang. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Podcast. <laughs>